This is the Nature Untold Podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Holland. This podcast is about all kinds of sobriety, addiction, recovery, as they intersect with the outdoor community and industry. Welcome to the show. This podcast is sponsored by UST Gear. Want to buy from a brand that cares about the environment, breaking down barriers for more people to get outdoors, and has awesome design? Look no further than our friends over at UST Gear. Oh, and they don't focus on the strange ideal of elite athleticism. In fact, one of their mottos is simply be outdoors. How cool is that? A brand that simply wants to provide you with well-designed gear so you can go be in nature, whatever that looks like for you. So whether you need some new gear for an upcoming backpacking trip, or your partner's birthday is coming up and their stinky and hole-ridden old sleeping pad needs to be retired, but you know they won't do it themselves, UST has got you covered. Head on over to ustgear.com or hit them up on Instagram at ustgear. Hello, and welcome back to the Nature Untold podcast. It's Emily Holland, your host. How y'all doing? We're careening through the summer these days, and it's making me kind of sad a little bit, but I'm trying to get out as much as possible, going to the Alpine backcountry and trying to just get a lot of big runs in that I've been wanting to do for a long time and just making it freaking happen, you know, y'all? So with that, this week we have Lindsay Graves on the show. Lindsay is a yoga instructor. She's a traveling nurse. She is also sober for two and a half years. And we talk a lot today about limiting beliefs. We talk about ending generational trauma. We talk about when she decided to really listen to the voice in her, t- in her head that was telling her to basically give it up. You know, stop having these same fights with yourself and with others and let go of alcohol. So this conversation was amazing. Lindsay just exudes this energy of light and love. And I think you'll hear that just from her voice today. Please enjoy this episode with Lindsay Graves. Welcome back to the Nature Untold podcast. I'm here with Lindsay. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing very well. We chatted a couple weeks ago and since that time, I think a lot has changed for me and it seemed like a lot might be changing for you soon too, but um, so it'll be interesting to (laughs) see where we're at now based on our last conversation. But first and foremost, just tell, tell our listeners about who you are and just tell us about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Lindsay. Gosh, it is kind of a, <laughs> I'm like, there's so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my name is Lindsay. I am a full-time pediatric nurse. I also am a yoga instructor and a meditation guide. And I've also been sober a little over two and a half years now. I just made my two and a half 
alcohol-free sober journey on June 18th, which is so incredible, so wild. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I'm here, I'm living in Atlanta, Georgia right now as a travel nurse. And it's been really amazing being here and, you know, continuing my sober journey in a new city. And it's just, yeah, I'm just so, so happy to be here and being able to tell my story. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So we're already talking about sobriety. First of all, congrats on the two and a half years. It's awesome. Love to hear about your definition for sobriety, different for everyone. So just want to make sure foundationally we're, we're talking about your definition when we're talking about sobriety today. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So how I identify my sobriety or sober journey is more so being alcohol free. Um, so I just, I don't drink alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Some people are, I, I feel the same way. I'm like, I don't drink alcohol. That's what sobriety means to me. And then some people are like, it's anything that gets in the way of me <laughs> living my greater life. And I'm like, maybe I'll get there someday, but right now it's just the alcohol piece, you know? You know, I really love, I really love that, you know, yeah. cause it's true. We could be sober from a lot of different things. Right. So I guess I don't eat meat. So it's like, I wonder if that could be part of like my sober, <laughs> you know, you know, so yeah, that's really interesting. I love that take on it. Yeah. Well, so you're a traveling nurse and I imagine that that is challenging as you're going through, you know, your recovery or sobriety journey where you're going to different communities and having to meet new people and with alcohol being such a prevalent part of our life, especially in the United States, how that's part of like socializing and meeting new folks. So can you talk a little bit about that aspect of your life where you're moving to different places and how your sobriety has moved through that with you? So um, this is my first time traveling as a sober, you know, a sober nurse, sober travel nurse. Um, when I arrived in San Diego about, um, I was in San Diego three and a half years ago. Um, but when I got to San Diego, I was a heavy drinker. I was a part, I was a part girl. Right. And now that I'm in Atlanta and I don't drink, it has been so amazing. It's been so incredible, Emily, just because it's I'm meeting the people that I'm like more like-minded people mm. and my energy where I'm giving my energy is all for the right, all the right things. And it's not like this false, um, false energy, right. Where you're drinking and you're going out and you're going to the bars and you're, you're meeting like-minded people, quote unquote, you know, who drink. But aside from that, maybe we don't really even have anything in common. <laughs> and now that I'm, you know, sober, it's, it's easier for me to actually meet people and to network and to kind of put myself out there. Um, because with being sober, I've, I've really adopted this like new confidence in myself. And um, it's just been really beautiful being in a new city and not drinking. And there's been challenges, you know, sometimes I feel lonely and because I travel alone and it's been lonely. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, it would be really nice maybe to, to go to the bar and just have a drink. And it's like, no, that's old, old programming. That's old, old belief system. And whenever I kind of snap out of it, it's like more another, another opportunity that is more aligned for me kind of always falls into place. So it works out. <laughs> 
I love that. I feel like that's the universe has some special knowledge that it's like granting these opportunities. Right. And we have, when we have like the right mindset about things, it just kind of falls into our lap and we're like, wait a second, that's exactly what I needed. How did that happen? (laughs) I think I'd love to hear, I know you're a yoga teacher and, and that probably fosters a lot of like meeting people, of course, and creating community around that. But what other things have you found to be helpful in in meeting new people in a new place where you're not, it's not centered around like going to a bar, going to a brewery, meeting people for drinks? Yeah. So that's a really good question. So a lot of it's been hiking, you know, going on hiking trips here in Georgia. Um, Georgia is so beautiful. Um, Just so many beautiful, so lush and it's so green out here. So waterfall hikes, you know, I have a creek by my house. I had a few girlfriends come over and we just took a little walk and we got in the creek. Sometimes it entails um, like dance events, you know, so sober dance events. Um, And it's like ecstatic dancing to music. Um, so we're able to like release and to move and to, to dance. Um, it's entailed just people coming over and just talking about life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's been really beautiful. And then also going to yoga classes and the more I surround myself around like-minded people, a lot of people I've met don't really drink, which has been really Mm. beautiful. It's just kind of coincidence that the people that I'm with they don't need to have alcohol to have a great time. And, you know, we're just enjoying life sober and (laughs) sober and free. Yeah. I love that. I feel like I want to be at these dance parties. First of all, I want that. (laughs) I'm like dance, sober dance parties. That sounds like the best time in the world. Um, So that's the first thing I'll say. And then (laughs) the other thing I was going to get your thoughts on is just like, why do you think it is that, you know, you're, you're trying to find people who are like tuned into the outdoors, you're connecting with people through that. And then through yoga, like, why do you think it is those people who are not really drinking very much, um, at all? I think it's because they are so vested in their, their health and their wellness. And they've, they, they know that when you fill yourself up with alcohol and toxins, you're actually, you're kind of limiting, you're limiting who you are and where your, your mind and your thought and your awareness can really go. Because that's what happened to me when I stopped drinking. I just noticed I became more in tune with myself and more in tune with nature and more in tune with, with who I am. And I didn't have that layer of fog and fluff on my brain. And that's how I feel like alcohol does. It just, it numbs you and it, it doesn't allow you to be who you truly are. And I think the more that I'm around people who have that same mindset, who want to better themselves and who are spiritual and like really tapped in, they're like, we don't need that. I think that's awesome. I, I am finding the same thing and it just almost like happenstance, you know, where I find people who are like, they'll have maybe like a beer here and there, but it's nothing like what it used to be, right? Which is just like every weekend we go to the bars and that's our social activity, um, which is super limiting as we've kind of touched upon. But I think one of the things I'd like to tap into with you is it's just always so fascinating where people 
are born and where they grow up and how that creates a landscape for their own journey with, with alcohol, but also just in general. I know you were born in New Orleans and then moved to Houston, but can you talk a little bit about being born in New Orleans and how that affected sort of your parental relationship with alcohol and how that then affected you and, and gave you a guide to what it could look like? Um, because just like in the U.S. overall, like when I think of New Orleans, I think of drinking openly in the streets to extreme excess. Right. And I know that's not everything there. Obviously, there's like great art there. There's great people there. But that's like one of the the pillars of New Orleans. So can you just speak to that a little bit and how that affected your relationship with alcohol eventually? Yeah, absolutely. So I moved to Texas or Houston when I was seven. But, you know, growing up being in New Orleans, alcohol is so heavily used and abused. And, you know, when you think when you're right, when you think of New Orleans, you think of Bourbon Street and you think of being able to walk around with alcohol and hand grenades and all and then Mardi Gras. And Mm -hmm. as a child, I don't really remember like the the drinking aspects of it. But I I do remember as a child, like after certain, like, I would just see people act really different. <laughs> right. And I remember yeah. my dad one time, he was like, Oh, that person is drunk. And I remember, I will never forget this. Time. I looked at this person. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, that looks scary. And I remember <laughs> as a little girl thinking that. So in new Orleans, it's just so heavily used and abused. And there's a saying that you can take the people out of new Orleans, but you can't take the new Orleans out of the people. Mm. So that culture and that you know, the heavy drinking that kind of goes with you. And so growing up, when we moved to Texas, as I got older, I started noticing alcohol being used at family functions. And, you know, I noticed also my dad was a heavy drinker. And so at night, you know, I would notice that he would start to act a little different. And I didn't really understand it until I got older that, okay, like he, he's drinking alcohol and it makes him different. And, um, so alcohol was kind of always around in both, both sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side. So, um, when I got to that age where I was able to drink with, with my family, it was like, yeah, we're going to New Orleans. My mom and I, when we would visit, the first thing we would do is go through like the, um, daiquiri shops. Like you can go to the daiquiri shop and then take your daiquiri with you. <laughs> um, yep, yep. and so it was like, yeah, this is amazing. And so as I got older, I started really noticing how my environment was starting to affect me. And like how I was drinking and a lot of it's ancestral, right? A lot of it is, I do find that has, has genetics has a lot to do with it because I started noticing I was become beginning to drink like my dad, where mm-hmm. I would start to use and abuse alcohol, but then it would change my entire personality and I would become emotional and I would become sometimes like violent and rowdy and obnoxious and mm-hmm. my perceptive was skewed and it just wasn't, it wasn't very healthy. And so I find that with me stopping with, now that I don't drink, you know, I'm stopping that ancestral trauma and I'm stopping, you know, the, what, what has 
what the things that we've kind of perpetuated along the years being from new Orleans and this party mentality. And, and it's like, you don't really need to drink to have a good time. And it starts with one person. And I feel like it, it started, it starts with me and I'm helping to, to stop that, to stop the, the common thread that's been played on and on and on for years. And now when I think of new Orleans, it's, I think of all the culture that it has and the arts and the music and the food. And I'm kind of like into the whole like witchy vibe. So I'm like, yeah, Ooh, like the voodoo and the Oracle cards, you know, like, so whenever <laughs> I go to new Orleans again, I'm like, I'm going to be focused on that stuff. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's kind of a long story short. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so much that I want to dive into there, but I think one of the things that will probably really resonate with folks is this concept of like, you're seeing your dad modeling a certain behavior of how to drink basically. Um, and what happens when you do drink and then you're sort of mirroring that. And I think that happens to so many folks, right? You like see, it's the same thing with relationships too. Like you see your parents or people around you and like, that's what you think love and intimacy and friendship should be like. Um, so I just wonder how you feel like that model maybe didn't affect your drinking as much, but how to, how is that model of your dad drinking in that way affect, you know, your mental health overall? Like, is that something that you're currently still working through of like how to manage someone else's emotions or like whatever comes with that? Right. It's like the territory of being a child of someone who's perhaps abusing alcohol. I definitely, I'm working through it now. Um, and I'm starting to see it more clearly, just the the dad wounds and even the mother wounds, mm. um, more so the dad wounds were, were where I feel like he wasn't always around when I needed him to be. I was an athlete and um, always have meets and things going on, extracurricular activities, and he wasn't always present. So that was really hard um, growing up. And I always thought it was something that had to do with me. But now that I'm older and I don't drink, I see that, you know, it was the alcohol, you know, mm. it was the alcohol and his way of relaxing and winding down was coming home and drinking alcohol. Um, and it, it meant that he wasn't present in my life. So now I'm, I'm working through that and just finding compassion and having forgiveness for my, for my father as a well, as, as opposed to the, like the hatred that I used to have when I didn't understand mm. and when I was drinking and now I, I have compassion. Cause it's like, man, it's, it's hard. It sucks. I wish he was more present, but it's like a lot of us know that alcohol can, can take you. It takes you. Mm. Um, so just finding forgiveness and compassion for that, but also just doing a lot of like inner child work and healing, healing my, my inner child. And, mm. you know, so that's kind of what I'm working through now. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. And have you been back to new Orleans since uh, you stopped drinking? Ooh, I haven't actually. <laughs> oh, I'm excited for you to go back no. and just get into all this voodoo stuff. Like, I feel like that's going to be such a good reclamation of, <laughs> of, mm. of New Orleans for you. I'm excited. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. No, I haven't. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you were starting to drink it like with your family, you were talking about your mom and going to, um, you know, get the, to go, what are the 
what are they called? The, oh, the, da- the, daiquiris. the daiquiris. Yeah. But they were like in this huge, I remember like going down there and having, what is the like huge plastic thing that they're called? Is it just oh, a grenade, hand grenade, hand grenade. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those. Yeah. But so you, you started, you know, drinking with your family and all of that, but can you talk a little bit about how alcohol made you feel when you first started drinking it and like why you felt like you were resonating with it more beyond just obviously like seeing it modeled by other people in your family? So growing up, I was always a, like a really quirky kid and I was always an outsider. I never really fat, fat in, fit in anywhere. <laughs> I never really had a place to fit into because I was just a very different kid and I was goofy and awkward. So I remember when I first drank, it was actually with my cousins who were from New Orleans and they moved to Texas um, after Hurricane Katrina. And so, you know, they had been living in New Orleans and Louisiana. So they they were very accustomed to drinking as teenagers. And so they moved to Texas. And I remember I think I was 16. I had my first sip of alcohol with them. And I just remember that very first sip and I was like, whoa, I was like, what is this? (laughs) And the way it just made, it made me feel at that time, I felt free. I felt like, wow, I can finally fit in. I'm having such a great time. Like this makes me speak my thoughts and I'm bold and confident with this stuff. And so ever since that first sip, I'll always say like the first sip turned into, you know, your first gulp and then your first shot. And then after that, your first, you know, like bottle and then it just escalates from there. Mm -hmm. And so I always felt like after that first sip, I felt like I continued to need it whenever I would go out because it would help with my social anxiety and I would feel cool and not quirky and people would laugh and we would have a great time. And that kind of continued to morph, especially in college. But that's why alcohol definitely resonated with me um, in my teens and younger twenties as I was trying to navigate and figure out who I was, Mm. you know? Yeah. Oh man, this, this type of, obviously everyone's journey is different, right? But this like type of story where it's like, I felt like I didn't belong. And then I drank and I did belong and it made me feel cool. And, and these types of stories, they like, they're so resonant with, with everyone. I think that that has these type of struggles, but also it just makes me um, so sad for, for the reason of like, how can we teach our kids better? And, and I'm in this camp too. Like, that's why I drank, right? Like, that's why I wanted to drink. And that's why I over drank. Um, but just makes me feel like there's such an opportunity to help kids feel more in themselves and in tune with who they are and okay with who they are, rather than like trying to fit into this specific mold of everyone else. And I just wonder where your thoughts are on that and, and where you see we could do a little bit better for, for our youth, but also just like communities at large. So now things are becoming more inviting and kids are able, which I'm seeing because we've had this like mass awakening uh, where we're teaching our kids to be like more conscious and to like to feel and more accepting of other cultures and identities and, you know, the LGBT community. We're allowing kids to kind of be who they are mm. um, and express themselves. And I'm noticing, so I have a really good friend and, and she has a son And he's never really been into drinking. 
and he's a teenager and he was like oh no i'm not really into that like it makes people look silly and they they have this complete different look on alcohol mm. um and they're like i don't want to do that i think and i think it's because we're teaching and showing our youth that they can be exactly who they who they want to be and they don't have to like conform to anyone else's like ideas or you know like image of how they should and how they should look but so I think that's helping you know and I think as long as we continue to you know I'm a yoga teacher so you know I also use alcohol to help me cope so I think if we're teaching our our kids young or at at an age where we teach them the importance of yoga and meditation and mindfulness they're able to kind of cope with those emotions as opposed to to drinking it and you know when we were growing up we didn't we didn't I didn't go to therapy you know (laughs) we didn't therapy was kind of like taboo and so now it's like you have middle school or teenagers that are like talking about therapy and I'm like yes it's what we needed and I, I think it's gonna help break those that that curse where we don't go to therapy and we don't allow ourselves to like be who we are and we, you know we we put ourselves in this box and now that I think kids are coming out of that box and getting the help that they need I don't think they're gonna really depend on alcohol I think alcohol is gonna be solely be a thing of the past I just have this feeling yeah <laughs> I feel like it's gonna be it's kind of kind of be like cigarettes where you're just like no, that's bad for you. I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Where it was like slowly phased out, used to be really cool, but is, is becoming not so much anymore. But going back to what you just said, I mean, that kind of goes with what you're thinking about or what you were talking about, where you're saying like, I'm ending the generational trauma with me. And that is just so empowering and self-aware. And that's the same thing we're talking about with these kids too, is like, they're, they're probably not aware, right. That they're like ending some sort of like generational thing, but that's really what's happening. Right. Is like, they're listening to their intuition. They're tapping into who they actually are. And I'm, I was feeling like before, when I asked that question, I'm like, Oh, that's so sad that we needed alcohol. But now I'm like, actually, this is really beautiful because just generation by generation, like people are getting more in tune with themselves. And that is just incredible. That's just me preaching, actually. Yes. No, I love it. Yes. (laughs) Snap, snap. (laughs) Okay. So for your own journey with alcohol, going back to that a little bit. So when did you sort of become aware that, okay, this is like something that maybe I need to think about giving up or, um, or, or was it like one singular moment where you're like, no, I can't, I'm done. You know, what was the process like for you? Oh man, it was like over the years, I knew that my drinking was a problem. I knew it. I mean, I knew it when I was 23, Mm. you know, even 21, but I kept, I kept doing it because it's like, how can I not drink? Right. And there was a series of events, you know, where I would get into fights with my boyfriends or get into fights with friends and just become combative or argumentative and driving intoxicated. There was a night that I drove home and I don't remember driving home. You know, I got on, I got behind the wheel and I blacked out. And so I feel like that should have been a wake up call, but it wasn't. So over the years, it just kind of continued to escalate. It would wax and wane over the years. But I just remember I got into a fight with my boyfriend, well, my ex-boyfriend. And um, I just remember us getting into a fight and it was the same story, the same habits where I said, okay, I'm only going to have two drinks. But then once I started drinking, you know, I would 
my drinking would escalate and we got in a fight and I remember the very next morning we were talking and I just remember hearing Lindsay, if you don't change, if you, if this doesn't change, you're going to be repeating these same habits over and over and over. Like something has to stop. So I was like, ah, oh, what? <laughs> like, of course I play the victim, but the next morning I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop drinking alcohol for a month. That's what I was like. I'll just do it for a month. And that was December 18th. And I've never looked back. You know, wow. it just almost makes me want to cry because it's like, wow, like, oh, this is so incredible. Like, I'm so happy I listened because I kept hearing that over the years mm. and I didn't listen. And I feel like if I continue that way, I don't know, I could I could be behind bars right now. I don't know. You know, it's like because the way that I was drinking, it was just it was going to continue to escalate. And it's like you've had so many lessons over and over and over. And sometimes you have to hit that rock bottom in order to learn and I don't know. I feel like I, that would have been me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about, I mean, obviously sometimes it's just like divine timing, but what do you think about this particular timing of why did you listen this time? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I don't know. Maybe cause I was older. I was 27. And maybe at that time I did, I had a lot of respect for my boyfriend. Um, so I think during that time, it was just something kind of came over me and was like, you got to stop playing the victim. And so I think I was a little bit wiser then. And it was just, I just listened as opposed, I think I was very naive when I was younger and I would hear that, those kind of things. But this time something was just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to do it. it. (laughs) Yeah. So you're, you gave yourself a month and then what transpired in that month to make you say like, actually, this is just it. Like, this is what I want to do. So during that month, I'm a huge researcher. So I like to, I was, and I wasn't on Instagram at the time. Um, so I would do a lot of research on, you know, okay. Cause I was starting to feel better after like a few weeks. And so I was like, okay, like, let me research this. And I would you know, learn that, you know, alcohol is not good for anxiety or depression that, you know, I would get to the truth of alcohol and what it really does. And so during that time I read some Quitlet, um, I read alcohol died to me by Craig Beck and that really shaped the way I thought about alcohol. I also read, um, unfuck yourself. Um, so that was a really great, that was a really great book. And I remember going to my first new year's Eve party sober. And this was maybe, you know, a few weeks after I stopped drinking. And I was like, I'm going to go to this party sober. And I wasn't looking forward to it. I thought it was going to be awful. I was like, this is going to be so boring. But I remember I wasn't going to go. And then I was just like, something was like, just put on a sexy outfit and go. And I was like, okay, fine. I put on a sexy outfit and I was like, I feel really pretty. I was like, okay. And I was like, wow, this is fun, you know? And so I went to the party and I had a blast. I didn't argue with my boyfriend. I was able to go to work the next morning. And I was like, wow, I had a great time. And I was like, maybe I can continue this journey and see where it goes. And I just continued, you know, and I'm two and a half years into it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I love it. Just put on a sexy outfit. It'll be fine. (laughs) 
I love that. Next time I don't want to go somewhere, I'm just going to be like, put on a sexy outfit. And, and there you go. <laughs> feel yourself. You're good. Cool. So when did yoga play a part into this? So I know that you said, I think at the end of your nursing school, you started to play around with yoga, but when did it really start to take hold as far as becoming a teacher and going through that training and having it be really a central part of your life? Yeah. So I always aspired to be a yoga teacher. Um, and this was like in my mid twenties, but I, and I always practiced on it. Yoga was always, I was always on and off with yoga. Um, but during that time, I didn't think I was ready to be a yoga teacher because of my own self-limiting beliefs. And I was still drinking and doing like, just like, not the most yoga-esque things, right? <laughs> and so I was yeah. like, I don't know if I can really be a yoga teacher right now. But so fast forward, I stopped drinking and then I found myself back on my yoga mat and it just really transformed my recovery. And that's when I started getting out in nature more and meditating out in nature and just started to have this appreciation for yoga and nature. And so... Um, so I just decided that, you know, it was time, it was time for me to become a yoga instructor. Um, now that I was sober and I was doing the work and, um, practicing and really incorporating it into my life. And so that's when, um, about a year ago, I decided to enroll in a yoga teacher training and, um, I'm so grateful that I did. I, I love it. It's opened so many different gateways and it's allowed me to just really transform and, continue to grow on my journey. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like it's such a awesome tool to be able to like really tap into yourself and know your your body first and foremost, but then obviously like that bleeds into every other aspect of your of yourself. Um what has been I guess surprising about that journey or maybe a moment that really stuck with you in the training or or afterwards when now you're a teacher? Yeah, so uh, I think what really stuck out for me was just really having more compassion, right? And then really um, yeah, having compassion for myself and for others on their journey, but also really just honing in on my body and what feels good for my body, but what feels good for my emotions and my, my mental space and my energetic space and really just establishing boundaries. And so that's kind of what I'm working through now is just, you know, speaking my truth and being, being honest and establishing boundaries and having compassion, but also having that compassion for myself. Mm. Um, Cause I struggled with a lot of self self-worth self-worth issues. Um, so that was another huge aspect of like yoga, yoga teacher training is like stepping on your mat and just having this unconditional love for yourself. And that's what I'm tapping into now. Mm. Mm, that sounds so good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so when you think about your sobriety journey overall, you know, I just asked what's surprising about the yoga training and the teacher being a teacher in yoga, but what is, what comes to mind when it, when you think about your sobriety journey and what has been maybe unexpected about that, that has come out of it or besides obviously like being a yoga teacher now, um, yeah, just unexpected around the sobriety journey. Yeah. So, you know, what's really unexpected, I would have to say is how much I 
don't really think about alcohol anymore. You know, it's, it's like my life in the beginning, it was, it was just, everything was sober, sober, sobriety, sobriety, sobriety. And now that I'm kind of at a phase in my life where it's like, I'm two and a half years in, I don't really think about alcohol anymore. And I, I think about it as like, this is just who I am now. And it's a part of me. And, you know, I still have moments where it's hard, but it's like now I'm so focused on other things in my life where if had I not gotten sober, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So I have a lot of gratitude for my sobriety. Like that's the space that I'm in right now is I have a lot of gratitude for where sobriety has gotten me and for where sobriety, the connections that I've made and the friendships that I've cultivated and where I am right now. So alcohol is more so definitely on the back burner but it's just this deep appreciation for being so being sober a super deep appreciation yeah <laughs> you know yeah well i think that that is really good for people to hear who are earlier on or even considering becoming sober or even sober curious because i think i i preach it a lot but it's always really good to have someone else say it on the show too where it's like at a certain point you just get to a point where alcohol is not the central thing that you're thinking about. Obviously in the first couple months for me, and then for others, it might be a little bit longer, a little bit less, whatever, but it does go away that you're, you're not like constantly like managing, am I going to drink tonight? Or am I not going to drink tonight? Is there going to be alcohol there? Is there not going to be all these like things that take up brain space? And when that washes away, it's like expanded mind. Yeah. Next level that you're getting to in your human experience. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so incredible because during those moments, you're, it's all science, right? And you're kind of like breaking, because it's like, it ties into like neuroplasticity. And so you're creating new pathways for your brain and you're kind of wiping away that old, those old pathways. So when, when you got home, you know, you're like, Oh, I want to just drink. Oh my gosh. It's so hard. Like I'm thinking about alcohol. What do I do? Because that's your old path, your path. That's your pathway and your brain's pathway. But then you're right. As soon as you stop drinking and it becomes, you create new pathways, you don't think about it. And it takes up less mental space. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to go to this party. And you, you know, there's probably going to be alcohol there, but you're like, I don't need it. I'm fine. I can have a great time. You know, it's like, you don't really think about it. It's really, it's really beautiful getting there. So whoever's listening, wherever you are in your journey, it gets, it really does get easier and Mm -hmm. it's, it's science too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, what else do we have, you know, yoga and then just self-compassion, some therapeutic modalities. What else is sort of in your toolkit? I don't want to call it a sobriety toolkit because it kind of sounds like maybe you've moved on to like a, a different level of, of sobriety. Um, but what's in your toolkit that keeps you grounded, that keeps you centered? So definitely, um, I have like a, um, a daily meditation practice, um, but hiking keeps me, um, grounded. I will say friendships, like a lot of my friends keep me grounded and connected exercise at times. I like to exercise, Um, And then when I do feel that urge to drink, it's, um, I love sparkling water. (laughs) Um, Seltzer water normally helps. Um, So I think that's oils. Also oils help me as well. Like essential oils. Mm. Yeah. That's a great question. And then reading. um, 
reading is also my toolkit or even popping on the sober Instagram community. When I feel, you know, vulnerable and like, I want to drink, I, I always can plug into the sober community and just find like inspirational quotes and also massages too. I will say, I love getting reflexology. That's in my toolkit as mm. well. When I'm really stressed and need to unwind, um, instead of reaching for alcohol, I would, you know, go get a massage instead. Nice. Love that. Getting a massage later this week. And that just got me more excited for it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I've always wanted to be a person who just gets consistent massages because they're awesome. And, and I think that's in the cards for me, Lindsay. Yeah. I think it is. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You have to let me yeah. know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So you, you talked a little bit about Quitlet earlier with some books that you had read at that time, but you, you've talked a little bit about like voodoo and witchcraft. You talked about yoga, you talked about um, massages and then neuroplasticity. So there's all these different things that you're talking about. Are there other books or resources that you tap into on those topics that you want to share with a, an audience that might be helpful? Yeah. So I read, um, this naked mind, um, mm. by Annie Grace. That wasn't a really, that was a, that was another profound book, um, where I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it's, it's so beautiful. And it talks about the neuroplasticity and why we drink as a society and a culture, but she breaks it down. Um, so it's very easy to, to grasp. Um, what else I've read the unexpected joy of being sober, which is, um, by Catherine Gray, another really great book. And I've read some like yoga books. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the best at reading books now. <laughs> I'll start a book and then I just, I won't finish it. So, but those are the <laughs> books that I actually have finished and they're really, really, really good. Nice. Um, so I'm hoping to incorporate more, you know, personal development books into, and just um, spirituality books into into my repertoire, just so I can expand on my knowledge. And I'm hoping one day I kind of outlined a course that I want to construct and it's called spirituality meets sobriety. And so it's going to be a 30 day course. And, you know, we, we're going to talk about, you know, triggers and neuroplasticity. And then I'm also going to incorporate mindset transformation in that course, because a lot of, um, when we stop drinking, our mindset is so big whenever we stop drinking and how we shift our thinking. So that I want to wrap, like put, put in the course as well as breath work and meditation and yoga. So I'm really excited. Um, so I just need to like sit down and start working on it, <laughs> Yeah, but that's, that's kind of, um, in, in the, in the rat in the works right now. Mm. What made yeah. you want to do that course? I mean, obviously you're kind of teaching these things throughout you know, your presence online and then your yoga training and or teacher to, oh my God, yoga teaching. And, but what made you want to do this course? So I wanted to do this course because I find that there's a lot of attention surrounding, you know, AA or support groups or within sobriety, which I think is beautiful, but I don't know if a lot of people, which I think more people are waking up to it and talking about it more within the sober community, but really just kind of honing in on yoga and meditation and breath work. And it's easy. It's so it's easily attainable and it can just transform your, your recovery. So I want other people, I want those to have other things in their toolkit um, and things that they can do at home 
um, by using their breath or turning on a meditation or changing their mindset from, oh, I can't have a drink to, I don't want to drink. So they feel more empowered um, along their recovery. So that's, that's really why I wanted to incorporate it into the, the sober community just talking about the, um, this, the spirituality component of your journey, because there is a lot of trauma and things that we're holding on to because, and that's why a lot of us drink is because we're trying to numb old feelings or old traumas or pain, or we're using alcohol to stress with, or using alcohol to cope with stress and anxiety. Um, so I want to give people the tools in order to help cope, you know, with mm-hmm. um, things, the stressors that come up during their recovery. So that's kind of in a nutshell why I really wanted to, to, to do this course. Yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. Going back to Thank your you. time outside and the, that being part of your toolkit, can you talk a little bit about your favorite place you've ever hiked and why it was your favorite? Ooh, that's a hard question. <laughs> I know. I'm just here for the, the oh hard journalistic God. question. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I'm trying to think. Okay. So I, I want to say this was in Colorado and it was in April and I remember it was just, it was, everything was snow covered. You know, mm. the mountains are snow covered. You know, Emily, it's hard. I don't, I yeah. can't answer. I don't have a favorite hike. Yeah, um, that's, that's but, fair. But I, but I will say along my road trip, when I did, took my road trip out here um, to Atlanta, you know, being sober, driving across country and not, not drinking. And when I did my road trip to San Diego, I was definitely consumed by alcohol and my rest stops and things, but Sedona was definitely beautiful. That was one of my favorite hikes last month, or that was back in April. It was in Sedona. So beautiful. And then also I I did a hike recently um, here in Georgia and we hiked to this waterfall and it was so beautiful. Me and my friends got under the waterfall, like in our birthday suits. (laughs) Nice. And it was just, it was so beautiful being immersed in nature and just being free. <laughs> and yeah. that's what sobriety in nature really means to me is just being free and in your element. And um, so that was definitely one of my favorite hikes. I guess I said it was hard, but going back, I'm like going back to that moment. And it's like, that was, it was so beautiful. And we saw a snake on the hike. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was just, and it was just, it was a really cool hike. It felt like, it felt magical. So that, yeah. that's definitely been my favorite hike so far. Nice. Absolutely. Anytime you, you can get in your birthday suit and get under a waterfall, <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just last question for you. Um, when you think about people coming to you and asking for advice, what's usually the first thing you tell them if they're like, I'm struggling with, with alcohol or any other sort of addiction, what's the first piece of advice you give them? I tell them that they can, that they can do this. I tell them like, I know it's hard, um, but you just have to take it one, one day at a time, sometimes even one minute at a time. And that whatever you're going through, it's ill pass. You know, these mm-hmm. feelings aren't permanent and it'll pass and that you can do it and, um, to honor whatever it is that you're feeling to feel it and like truly feel it and acknowledge that it's hard. And once you do that, once you acknowledge that something is hard and once that you, once you acknowledge that I'm struggling, it becomes easier because you're empowering yourself and you're admitting that, you know what, this is admitting to yourself that it's hard. And then Mm -hmm. once you acknowledge that it slowly gets easier 
you know, Mm. because you made that, that, that awareness and that connection. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Just sit in it and sit through it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm so happy that we were able to make this happen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate you inviting me on. And it was so great (laughs) connecting with you. So that was our conversation with Lindsay Graves. I think in another life, I like the idea of being a travel nurse. I think that's wicked cool. It would have to be a life in which I am not scared of blood. So, you know, maybe in an alternate universe, I am a travel nurse. Maybe that's, or maybe I could still do that and overcome my fear of blood. Either way, Lindsay's awesome. I love chatting with her. And I think what she said about alcohol limiting who you are was really impactful for me. I really loved that part that she talked about how we put this substance in our body and it takes away from our characteristics, our character in a lot of senses, and just who we are and who we are able to be in the future as well. And I just really appreciated her perspective on that. I also really appreciated her kind of bringing me back up to the more positivity when it comes to thinking about how young kids now are relating to alcohol. And that made me feel a lot better. And I'm sure that is the case for a lot of you as well. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Share with your friends, share on social media. Want to keep this going and keep it growing so that we can keep bringing you episodes pretty consistently with these types of stories. If you're feeling that you want to connect, um, Nature Untold Podcast on Instagram or Nature Untold Collective on Facebook. Thanks so much for being here and we'll catch you next week.